Today, this morning, we are looking at Acts chapter 9, verses 1 to 28. And if you have not already done so, please go ahead and read those verses. And as you read, notice how many characters there are in this story. Not all of them are named, but just take note of the very many people who have a part to play in this story. So it's a familiar story to many of us, this iconic conversion story of Saul. But it is more than just a Jesus and me story. I want to remind you that Saul's conversion story takes place in a larger community. It's a, it's a conversion story that involves more than just one individual. It's a conversion or a, a transformation, if you like, of an entire community. It's a story about the spirit facilitating encounter between unlikely people. You've heard us talk about what the book of Acts is truly about, and, and we're telling you that it's a, it's a book about the acts of the Holy Spirit, actually, not the acts of the apostles, as much as an act of the Holy Spirit joining people together in this revolution of intimacy, as Willie Jennings calls it. It's a story about individual and communal transformation. So let's just look at the transformation on the individual level for a moment. Saul, or Paul, as he'll later be called, public enemy number one of Christians. He is struck blind. Ironically, God strikes him blind actually to reveal his blind spots. All the things that Saul took pride in, and of course we see him mentioned in the story before this major scene that Saul plays a part in. But up to this point, we see him in these little cameo appearances as someone who was zealous religiously. He was a zealous persecutor. His misguided zeal led him to put people in particular exclusionary categories, and his certainty that he was doing the right thing fueled his threats and his eagerness to put Christians to death. All those things taken away in an instant, that pride, that misguided religious zeal, those categories that he used to think in, all of a sudden, all those things taken away. We see a conversion in a way from a self-confident, independent, religious zealot to a childlike, vulnerable, dependent person. We see a transformation from someone who inflicts suffering on others to someone who God says who himself will suffer for the cause of the gospel. We also see the transformation from someone who is an enemy of the people of God to someone who is called brother, to a family member. So that's a little bit about the individual transformation that's taking place, what the Spirit is doing to transform Paul as an individual. But there's a wider story here, as I've already alluded to, this wider transformative story that's taking place in a community. I want you to notice that, that God doesn't just miraculously restore Saul's sight at some point without anyone else's involvement. God 
by the Holy Spirit specifically creates a situation where Saul, the strong one, must be dependent on other people in the community. Several others have to lead him by the hand, the text specifically says, this image of this blind man being led by the hand by others to Damascus. This man who was no longer in control and dependent on the help of others. He doesn't even know what will happen next. Get up and go, God or Jesus tells Saul. You will be told what you must do. We see the Spirit creating encounter between people who need each other. First, Saul and these people that were accompanying him on the journey. And then, of course, enter Ananias. The first person that Saul is, uh, the next person in the story that Saul is dependent on. We see the Spirit here creating a community out of people who initially regard one another as enemy, as other, with some suspicion. God appears to Ananias and, and basically says, okay, here's this guy. Go to him. I'm sending you to him. He is waiting your arrival and this is what you must do. He, he needs something and you, you have it. And interestingly, Ananias has this vision. Clearly it's come from God and yet he, he pushes back against it. He doesn't just get up and go right away. He, he says, eh, eh, wait a second there, Lord. I, I've heard of this guy. I'm not sure he can be trusted. This might be a trap, maybe he's even saying. This is going to be risky, dangerous. And the Lord just says, go. <laughs> There's no arguing about it. Go is the word from God. And then Ananias went, the text says. He is sent to Saul. He explains why he's there. And here's this physical touch, this, this intimacy that we've been talking about, placing his hands on Saul. He says, brother. This transformation that takes place from enemy to brother. All of it engineered by the Holy Spirit. Well, the story continues. Ananias goes on his way. That's the last time we see him in the story. And the story continues, and Paul becomes a powerful witness for Christ. His sight is restored. He's, he's playing on a different team now. And he tries to join the disciples in Jerusalem because he's, he's aligned with them now. He's, he's aligned with their cause, but they don't trust him. They're all afraid of him, not believing he really was the disciple that he was claiming to be. Enter Barnabas. Quiet, low-key Barnabas, who has no vision that we know of. He's not sent by God in that, in that um, very definite way that Ananias is. And yet, nonetheless, the Spirit uses Barnabas. Acts 9 verse 28 says, Barnabas took him and brought him to the disciples. And he told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord. Barnabas, of course, as we know, does not just disappear from the story. He, he continues again in the book of Acts as a trusted partner in the work of the gospel alongside Saul for quite some time. The story is not just one about Paul having this amazing experience with Jesus. This story is about the Spirit knitting together a community, creating a situation where, where Saul 
needs other people. Imagine the story without the obedience of Ananias and Barnabas. The story isn't possible without those two characters. The story isn't possible without a community of people accepting that Saul is who he says he is, responding to the prompting of the Spirit and taking a risk, risking the discomfort that the Spirit often invites us into. This is a story about personal transformation, about communal transformation, a story where God interrupts and disrupts our lives by the Holy Spirit. A story where, just like today, actually, back then and today, God exposes our blind spots, creates vulnerability and interdependence, and pushes us toward the other. God did that in the life of Paul. He did that in the life of Ananias and Barnabas. And I want to suggest he's doing that, the Spirit is doing that in our midst today as individuals and as a church. So may you be blessed as you press into this text today, as you listen attentively for what the Spirit might be saying to you and to us in this time. You have questions to discuss and reflect on. May you be blessed today.